what the Lord is. Oh, just enter in. Hallelujah. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel his mighty power and his grace. I can feel the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Oh, of the Lord Oh, and I can feel His mighty power and His grace I can feel the brush of angels wing Oh, surely of the Lord is in this place when I look into your holiness when I gaze into your loveliness when all things that surround become shadows in the light of you Amen. when I found the joy of reaching your heart and when my will becomes enthroned in your love when all things that surround become shadows in the light of you Then I worship you. I worship you. Oh, the reason I live is to worship you. to your holiness oh when I gaze into your loveliness when all things that surround become shadows in the light of you and when I found the joy of a your heart oh 
comes enthroned in your love and when all things that surround become shadows in the light of you just lift your hands and worship him tonight well then i worship you with all your hearts now oh my lord i worship you for the reason i live is to worship you and I worship you Blessed be the name of the Lord. He is worthy to be praised and adored. And so we lift up holy hands and one accord. Sing blessed. Once again now, oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. He is worthy now to be praised and adored. So we lift our hands now, lift our holy hands in Monaco. And we sing, blessed be the name, blessed be Blessed be the name of the Lord. Once again now, hallelujah. Well, blessed be the name of the Lord. He is worthy to be praised and adored. And so we lift up holy hands and monocles. Yes, singing blessed be. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Yes, I want to see you. I want to see you. Is that your desire tonight? I want to see you. To see you high and lifted up. Oh, shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as we sing. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. 
with you. Amen. We welcome each one of you to the service this evening. Amen. I pray that if something may be troubling you, amen, whatever it may be, clouds of darkness, depression, anxiety, fear, sin, hidden sin, amen, just let it go in Jesus' name as we sing and praise and just enter into the service. Don't worry about your neighbor who's beside you. Amen. Right now it's just between you and God. Amen. So let's just take this time, take full advantage of it, pour ourselves out upon the altar, amen, and see what God would do for us this evening. Amen. Hallelujah. thought we'd sing this song, Lord, I lift your name on high, key of F. Let's try that. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life I'm so glad you came to save us Well, you came from heaven to earth To show the way from the earth to the cross My debt to pay From the cross to the grave From the grave to the sky Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I lift your name on high. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. Love to sing your praises. Oh, and I'm so glad you're in my life. Yes, I'm so glad you came to save us. Oh, when he came. From heaven to earth to show the way From the earth to the cross My debt to pay From the cross to the grave From the grave to the sky Lord, I lift your name on high Lord, I lift your name on high Come on, worship Him now I love to sing your praises. I'm 
so glad you're in my Are you glad tonight? Oh, yes. I'm so glad you came to save us. Well, you came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross. My debt to pay from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on. You came from heaven to earth to show the way from the Well, my debt to pay from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. Amen. Could you give him a hand this evening? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. My, my heart is just bubbling with joy right now. Amen. I think a few fitting songs to sing. Let's speed it up a little bit. Same key. Fill my way every day with joy, with love. Amen. Let me walk, blessed Lord, in the way thou hast gone, leading straight land above. We'll give cheer everywhere to the sad and the lone. Fill my way every day with love. Oh, fill my way every day with love. As I walk with that heavenly dove. Will let me go all the while with a song and a smile. Fill my way every day with love. Will keep me close to the side of my Savior and God. Let me never induct this road. Will keep my path free from wrath and my soul satisfied. Fill my way every day with love. Oh, fill my way every day with love As I walk with that heavenly dove Oh, let me go all the while With a song and a smile Fill my way with love Well, soon that race will be o'er And I'll travel no more But abide in my home above Will let me sing, blessed King, all the way to the shore. Oh, that's right. Will fill my way every day with love. As I walk with that heavenly dove. Oh, let me go all the while with a song and a smile. Fill my way every day with love. Well, as I travel through this pilgrim land, there is a friend who walks with me. Well, he keeps me sinking sand. It is the Christ of Calvary. Well, now this would be my prayer to go each day to help me do the best I can. For I need thy light to guide me day and night. Blessed Jesus, hold my hand. Well, Jesus, hold my hand. 
change the order of our service man just before we take our needs to the lord tonight <clears throat> we just want to take a moment to take these needs to the lord amen and just before we do that let's just calm our spirits amen and enter a mode of worship here amen what are you playing there sister becky Come you with me 
I worship you. to take the needs before the altar at this time. And I'd like to ask Brother Peter Coffey, man, if he'd make his way to the front, man, he can take these needs to the Lord for us. Man, I want to mention uh, Brother Ben McCafferty, man, keep him in prayer. Uh, unspoken requests there, so if you just keep him in your prayers, Brother Ben McCafferty. Uh, if you'd remember Brother Ron Knobloch, he is traveling, not with us at this time. Uh, the Paschal family as well. I remember them in prayer. I'm sure they'd love to be here. If you remember uh, Brother Earl and Sister Jane Munch in prayer, they're both sick. And uh, we also want to remember Sister Crystal Johnson in prayer. She is not feeling well. And uh, I have a prayer request here also for Sister Emma McCafferty. And so you want to remember those special needs before the Lord. Amen. And if you have unspoken prayer requests, you can make them known at this time. Amen. Just know that God sees that special need upon your heart. We'll be praying with you, friends. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, what an honor and a privilege it is, Lord, that we can come before you tonight in your house. Lord, we're just honored to be called your children, Lord. And what a wonderful privilege that is. What a wonderful and amazing thing that is. And we think about it, Lord, and it's just hard to even comprehend it that you would call us your bride. And Lord, we're just honored. We thank you for that so very much tonight. We thank you for your word that you've given to us. And Father, we just we just pray that you'd open it in a, in a very special way, in a more meaningful way, even tonight, Lord, as we listen to the service. Lord, we just place ourselves under your control tonight for this service. We ask that anything that maybe we've done wrong or said or thought in our way, Lord, that you'd forgive us and make us clean, Lord, that we're scoured out and ready to be Fill, Lord, with whatever you'd have us to, to hear tonight, Lord, whatever that might be. We just place ourselves completely into your hands. And Lord, I think of these requests tonight. Father, there's many, many that are not written here. We think of Brother Ben, who's traveling and dealing with the loss in his family. We think of Brother Ron also, Lord, who's dealing with the loss of his mother. And, uh, the Munch is out sick, Lord. And Sister Emma, who's here tonight, we lift her up before you, the Paschals. Lord, whoever else I may have missed that was on the list and from this morning and then many, many more from Wednesday night. Each and every one, Father, they're on our hearts. We miss them when they're not here. We think of the Smiths and the drums, Lord, and just lift them up before you like we often do. But, Father, it's no less important each and every time that we do that. 
We just want to give you all the praise and glory tonight for everything that you've done, everything that you will do and are about to do in our lives and in our church and in our homes and in our families, Father. We love you so very much. We thank you again. In your name we pray. Amen. You can have your seats. Have a few specials this evening. And we're just going to sing a little song as uh, the Jeremiah Sheffield and uh, Sean, uh, Brother Sean and Lincoln make their way to the front to make ready for that song that they have prepared. The only real peace that I have, dear Lord, is in you. Well, the only real peace that I have, dear Lord, is in you. All life's frustrations, I need you and I know I do. For the only real peace that I first time we're all singing together we practiced it a couple times we just hope it's a blessing it's a simple song i know you all know so feel free to sing along with us
rugged cross I will ever be true It's shame and reproach gladly bear Then he'll call me someday To my home far away Where his glory forever I'll share So I'll cherish the old rugged cross Oh, tell my trophies at last I lay down friends. Amen. Amen. Let's stand tonight. Now ask our deacons if they would make their way forward. We're going to take up our evening offering and you feel free to give us unto the Lord your tithing, your offering as we continue in worship. Amen. thought we would sing the song, My Chains Are Gone. I've been set free. Amen. Brother Mike, if you would lead us in prayer, sir. chains are gone I've been set free my God my Savior has ransomed me and like a flood His mercy reigns unending love amazing saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I was blind, but now I see. My chains are gone. 
has ransomed me and like a flood oh his mercy brings unending love amazing grace t'was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace Come singing a change of Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord tonight, and uh, <clears throat> I'm just uh, always uh, glad and honored when Brother George agrees to come over and visit, and it's been a little while since he's been here, so we're glad to have him with us tonight. Um, I just wanted to mention one thing. We had a meal on Friday night with the Pascals, and uh, it was really nice, really pleasant. We were up in West Virginia, and... Uh, we went to spend some time with them, and Sister Lisa has a procedure, medical procedure, in Winston-Salem Hospital on Tuesday. And so if you don't mind remembering that need uh, before the Lord, especially on Tuesday morning, uh, I know they would appreciate that. We had prayer for her up there, and uh, we're just going to trust that the Lord will help her through and get a, a speedy recovery, and um, I know she would appreciate that. You know, it's just like, uh, I think it was Brother John Cockman this morning said that uh, the natives, when, they, when they're under attack, they put their shields together. And they call that a shield lock. And I thought, wow, what a fitting example, or fitting illustration that is for us. Because if there's any group on earth that ought to be doing that on a regular basis, it should be us. When one hurts, we all hurt. And, you know, we lock our shields together and bind our prayers and our faith together and commit people unto God and believe that God's going to move. Sister Anna, we believe that for you. We believe it for... Uh, all of you that are going through different things. So, uh, without any further ado, we're going to turn it over to Brother George. And, uh, you know, I'll guarantee you that uh, you look at me a certain way, right? You know, you look as a pastor, you look at me a certain way, and you know a little bit about me and stuff. But I'll guarantee you, my boys, they know way more than you know about me. But a unique perspective of me is, is found in my daughters-in-law. They're, they're not part of the family, but they're close in enough to be able to kind of see some, un, you know, really unique things that nobody else sees. And I love my daughters-in-law. They're just, they're just tremendous, and uh, we've been really blessed. And I, I, I say that to say that, uh, you know, in Brother Branham's life, we all know Brother Branham a certain way, don't we, as, as people who listen to him and respect him as a prophet. And uh, his sons knew him quite differently. But his sons-in-law also had a unique perspective. 
And I appreciate that about Brother George. He has a unique perspective of, uh, you know, the message and Brother Branham and kept a balance over all of these years. And I appreciate that. I appreciate the long run balance that Brother George has kept and, you know, uh, being uh, a faithful witness of what God has done. Not many people have seen Brother Branham from the perspective he has. And, and that's, that's, it's been a blessing all over the world. And the work that uh, he does and he and I do in, in getting the message out in Spanish and uh, all of the Spanish messages now are translated. And uh, we're going to uh, maybe show a couple of pictures there on current year and uh, just to bring you up to date there. But we appreciate having Brother uh, George with us uh, tonight. So let's sing that little chorus, Have Your Way, and uh, then we'll turn it over to Brother George and just let him take his liberty tonight. Let's sing it together. Have your way. Have your way. Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for this time that we can be together. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy, Lord, for strength, and how you've put it in our hearts to be here. There's people doing other things. There's people out on the highway. There's people at the beach and everything else. But you called this group to be here today to hear a few words from your word. We just pray that you would give us wisdom and grace to speak the truth and to Say the things that would make you real to the people. Bless your people here today. Protect us and guide us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. It's good to be here in Hickory tonight, uh, this evening. Um, I go by here quite often, going and coming on 40, but um, it's good to see all of you and thank Brother Barry, for the invitation. And so, aren't you glad that God is a God of variety? I mean, if we all looked like me, what kind of mess would that be? I'm not going to sing anymore. That'll be all the music. No, sorry. You guys sing real well. But um, God is a God of variety, and, and he's got Barry's, he's got George, he's got all kinds of people. And I want to believe that each one is doing their best. You know, they're, they're just maxed out at at the best they know how to do. And so I try not to criticize people because they're doing their best, you know? And God puts people where they belong, where he wants them. But you know, when Jesus was here, he said over here in, um, in uh, John eight thirty two, he said, and ye shall know the truth. Okay, we, we read over these things so, so quickly. But to know the truth, you have to have it in front of you. All you guys that are getting driver's license, you know, you had to read the book before they'd give you the license, right? Billy. 
right? And so um, Jesus said, you shall know the truth. How are we going to know the truth? We have to have it in front of us. We didn't always have an English Bible. Hello? No, we didn't. 500 years ago, there was not an English Bible. People were burned. They were killed for the, just the desire to put it into English. And now it's everywhere. Every one of you got at least one Bible at home. So it says, you shall know the truth. Where is it here? And the truth shall make you free. So you have a choice tonight to either know the truth and be free or stay in bondage, keep going around your little circle thinking you're right and fall in hell. You got a choice. Now, you can open your little phone after church and you're going to find that it says in there uh, uh, daily Bible reading. Now, when I was a child, like these guys on the front row, my mother instilled in us, you read your Bible every day. And she gave us a little schedule to where, you know, you read these chapters, and by uh, February 18th of next year, you read the whole Bible, like magic. But you have to stick with it because you have a soul inside that needs to be fed. Now, nobody's going to go from here till this time tomorrow without any food, I guarantee you. Everybody's going to find something they like, maybe not good for them, but they're going to, you know, they're going to eat. So you must feed your soul. And so he said this over in John, that if you, you know, that you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Well, just a few days later, it wasn't too long after that, they got him, they persecuted him, they uh, you know, crucified him. And after his resurrection, he said, uh, you know, they were together over there in Acts chapter 1. And um, they were together, and they'd been together for, for a month or so. And so they're together that day. And they said, Lord, will you at this time re- restore the kingdom to Israel? You get the Romans off our back and give us some freedom to you know, do what's right. And it was a political question, just like us. He said, it is not for you guys to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own, uh, I'll just say here, in his own power. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses here in Jerusalem, over in Judea, over in Samaria, and all the way to North Carolina. The gospel didn't come in a parachute. It came by somebody riding a horse over here and bringing it one day. There was some effort, you know. And so um, when he said those words, disciples had no clue how it was going to be done. They knew where Samaria was. They knew where Judea. But they had no concept about the uttermost part of the earth. That was foreign to them. And so they, they went along. They, they already knew that he knew what he was talking about. And he wasn't just a blowing smoke. He, he knew what he was talking about. So they just, okay, if he said so. And um, a few days later, God had organized it to where he says, now you guys go to the upper room. Now, I don't know if you've ever studied this, but I'm sure with your educated pastor here, you must have come across it sometime. But the fact is, Jesus said to over 500 people on the Mount of Olives, now you all need to go to the upper room, wait until. He didn't give them a big list, until. You'll know when it happens. But guess what? Only 24% made it to the upper room. Yeah, 120. The 76% had things to do. Unbelievers and make-believers. So 
once they're in the upper room, okay, they didn't know how long. Might be 30 days, might be a year. It's only 10 days, but they didn't know that. But at the same time that that's going on in the upper room, 120 believers hiding from the religious people down here. God had given in the Old Testament, we don't have all the details here, but he gave them in the Old Testament seven different feasts. It wasn't one day, it was several days. Sometimes, some days five, six, ten days, whatever. That all the, the, on three of those seven, all the male believers should go to the temple in Jerusalem. It's in the Bible. And so they're in Jerusalem from all these countries. Okay? Now those people spoke Hebrew because that was their Bible, that was their, of, their, of their temple, their, their worship was Hebrew. But they also knew the language where they came from because they were born over there. You see? So these people that were gathered in Jerusalem were at least bilingual, maybe three, but at least two languages. And so they're gathered there during that same time that these guys are up in the upper room. So when the 10 days are fulfilled and the, and the Holy Ghost comes down, they start speaking in other languages and they come stumbling out into the streets and these guys say, hey, that's the language where I come from. But it's got a Galilee accent, you know, kind of a hick accent. And so, yeah, because it was hill country. And so, uh, and so, so you know the whole story. And that, in that same occasion, 3,000 repented and was baptized. Now, when I get to heaven, and I can still remember, you know, my time here in Hickory, um, I want to ask Peter. Now, Peter, my son, all due respect, but where did you guys baptize 3,000 people? There's no lake and there's no river. Yeah. Well, they did it. So we'll leave it alone. But anyway, once these 3,000 are, you know, baptized, guess what? They went home, and the gospel started going to the uttermost part of the earth. They didn't know how it was going to happen. They couldn't see past the end of the building. But God had a plan, and he's got a plan for us. And so that was, the, that was the message that Paul and the other brothers were preaching throughout the book, the book of the uh, Acts of the Apostles, which is really not the Acts of the Apostles, it's Acts of the Holy Ghost and early believers. But anyway, the message back then was, look, y'all have memorized all this Bible back here. We're here to tell you it's come to pass right here, Jerusalem, right here. But see, the, the, the Sadducees could not handle uh, Revelation resurrection, supernatural. Well, all heads, you know, a book with some words, if you don't believe that. And so um, they, um, they didn't know how it was going to happen, but God had a plan, and it was starting to take shape. And so their message was, all, this, all these things back here that David said, it's coming to pass. But some of them were so legal. No, we know what works. We know what David said. We know what Moses said. And you guys, out of here. And that was the battle there at the beginning. People were killed over this. Okay. Well, time passed. And, you know, 30 years after the uh, resurrection, Luke started writing. He wrote the book of the apostles, of, of the Acts of the Apostles. He wrote the book of Luke, which is two-volume set, you know, Luke and Acts. And, um, and they had no printing press. Everything was handwritten. Had no copy machine. No cell phone, none of this stuff. Handwritten. And there's room for error when you're handwriting sometimes. But anyway, uh, only during the time of Martin Luther, which was about 
oh, 500 years ago, they invented the printing press, one sheet at a time. And things started to happen. And look where we are today. So back in Psalm 68, and just hang on, this will all fit together eventually. Psalm 68 and 11 says, the Lord gave the word. Now we all know, because we're under the prophetic message, that the word comes to the prophet, and then it's disseminated from there. So the Lord gave the word. Great was the company of those that published it. And so things started happening. God had to have certain people in certain places in key positions to get this done, you see. Maybe some of you don't even know what a printing press looks like, but it's working. That's why you have books. That's why you have a Bible, because somebody is in the right place at the right time, okay? And so in the New Testament, they didn't have a New Testament. They were living it. All they had was the Old Testament. What they had was a Bible, you know, of um, 37 books or 39 books, um, and that was a translation that had been done about 200 years prior in Alexandria, Egypt. And that was the Bible that they had and they quoted and so forth. And we've got the whole Bible today. But for things to happen, you've got to have the right people in the right place. Now, I was born a long time ago. Might be one person here older than I am, but that's okay. Um, my parents went through Bible school prepared, prepared, and then they felt led, hey, we need to go to Mexico where there's no written language. You know, we need to help these people. Okay, today there are approximately, as far as we know, 7,106 languages on the planet. Many do not have the first piece of paper with Jesus Christ on it. Of those 7,106 languages, the Bible is only available in 704 languages. That's a long ways. In the New Testament, they have in 1551 languages, and we have scripture portions in 1160, Bible, 1160 uh, languages. So this, this is a vast you know, thing that's, uh, that's the need. So there is an outfit called the Wycliffe Bible Translators. You might have heard of them. And that's what my father joined and became you know, involved because they had you know, somewhat of an idea back in 1944 of where some of these people were that had no scripture. So they felt led to go to a little village in Mexico. Now, it wasn't like this. There's no interstate. You know. They had a truck that they'd bought in a... I think in a Navy, uh, what do you call it, like an auction or surplus or something. So here they go. Well, that only goes so far. Then they had to park the truck and hire horses four days. Now, they're not, this isn't a joyful trip. These people don't know the first thing about horses. And so they had a guide. Anyway, they get to where they're going, and they don't know any Spanish. So they have to find these people that... Where's this tribe? These people speak Spanish, but out here someplace. Well, this is a long process. First, you've got to find them. Then you have to invent a dictionary because there's nothing written. See, that's foreign to all of us. So they have to, uh, uh, you know, what is this? How do, you know, so, so they ask two, three people, okay, water is, okay, we've got a word for water. 
Now, pouring water might be a different term. But anyway, go through all that. And after 20 years of living with these people, you might have a dictionary and the Gospel of John. Well, I'm an eyewitness that my dad didn't have that kind of patience. Okay? Believe me. And so he was there, I don't know, three or four years. And then he said, I'm going to leave this blessing to somebody else. And he moved to the east coast of Mexico, over by the Gulf of Mexico, and um, founded a Bible school for trained ministers and so forth. It's still there today. And I have found people in different places that have been through that school. Well, anyway, while they're up there in the mountains, and stick with me, I'm going to kind of go back and forth, a lot of details. But uh, while they're up there in the mountains, newlyweds, there's going to be a child born. Well, so they come out on the horses. And instead of going to Grandma's house in Arizona, they went to Mexico City, where the uh, headquarters of the Wicked Bible Translators was. And that's where their first child was born in late August of 1945. It was me. So for all you math geniuses, I'm 78 years old. And um, so then when we're over here on the East Coast, they put me in school. So all I knew for the first six years of school was Spanish, you know, Constitution of Mexico, the history of Mexico, and so forth. I missed out on the history of Texas and the history of the U.S. But, um, but at home, my mother was teaching us, you know, how to read and write and everything. So then during those six years, and of course I was already 12 years old at the time I'm ready to go to Texas to go to the seventh grade. So I became very fluent in the Spanish and the English. Now, um, the earlier a child can learn a language, the better off you are, right? Not when you're 25, no, when you're this size or smaller. And so I knew a Chinese lady over there where we live, and she had this baby. Well, the baby's three years old and could speak English and two kinds of Chinese and know who to speak it to because kids are smart. They just have to tap into it. So anyway, uh, I came to Texas it was in seventh grade, eighth grade, and so forth. Eventually, I moved to Tucson to live with my grandfather. And uh, I'm in the 10th grade by then. And in high school, uh, you know, I was just a Baptist. I didn't know any better. I had the same Bible, but I hadn't read. You know, I'd read it through, but things didn't come alive. I didn't see Malachi. I didn't see the, you know, how all this fits together. And so... Um, uh, when I'm in high school, I was the oddball. I didn't go to the dances, didn't smoke, didn't drink, and, um, and I liked to talk about scripture. Well, then one fine day, this girl that I barely knew, now this is a big school, 2,500 kids, you know, and so this girl comes up and she says, now, we know you're so picky, but we know just the girl for you. Really? Well, where is she? Well, she's way over there getting on the bus. Well, the next day, she introduces me to Rebecca Branham. Well, I had never heard that name. We didn't, you know, we didn't deal with, with Pentecostals, all that stuff. That's way over there. We're the ones that's right. And we know why everybody else is wrong. <laughs> yeah, we had a bad attitude. <laughs> but um, so here we are in high school, and, and so I had, to meet, I had to meet her dad. Well, all she said, my dad's a preacher. No big deal. I knew a lot of preachers, you know. And, and, and so God moves these people by vision from Indiana out to Arizona, and they're a block from my house. They're just right there. Wow. Predestination. And um, so I meet the man of God. We talked a little bit in the backyard. I was there to ask for permission to date his daughter. 
you know? Now, this is a long time ago, okay? 1963, long time ago. And, and so we talked, and, and, and he gave me permission. So I had the victory, but he had the problem because there were some other guys, just, they knew who he was, and they were waiting their chance to pounce, you know? But game's over because, I mean, he had to tell people she's got a boyfriend. <laughs> and he's a Baptist. Well, anyway, he was happy because I was taking her to the Baptist church every Sunday. He even went with us sometimes, said amen to the word, okay? So while I'm in high school, and, um, of course, I got this girlfriend, okay, her father, and I'd been to a meeting, and, wow, this is fantastic. It all matched scripture. Here was a man that was living the spirit of the scripture. Now, you've heard Brother Bram talk about uh, when he was young, he uh, uh, liked to read about Tarzan. You know, he wanted wrapped himself in a skin, live in the tree and all that business. Well, if you, if you read the Bible, you know, to fulfill Scripture, know the truth, the truth shall make you free. If you read your Bible consistently, just like you drink water every day and Dr. Pepper and whatever, well, if you read your Bible, you're going to become word. It's going to show. I mean, Keith can tell you that if you go to KFC every day, it's going to show, right, Keith? Yeah. And so you got to be careful. You got to read your Bible. That's why I insist go on your phone, find the schedule, and stick with it. Because even in the Baptist church, my mother said, You read your Bible and you pray every day. Well, here I come into the knowledge of the, of the message. The prophet says the same thing. But see, we're too much like Naaman. Oh, that's too simple. Now we, got, we got it on screen. I'll just let Scorby read it. No, dear, you got to open your Bible and read your Bible. It's the only way it works. So if I never say it again, at least I told you. But um, so while I'm in high school, um, the lady that owned the apartment where Brother Brand was living, rented from her, she said, now, I know you're bilingual. Now, we have a little track here that they made up. Uh, Ascending on high gave gifts unto men. It's a very small track, kind of outlined Brother Brand's life. She said, could you translate this? Well, I think so. So put it down and start translating. Well, Brother Ram saw that. He was pleased. Wow, that's nice. Well, time passes. Uh, I went in the service. So when I got out of the Army in October of 67, the printing operation was already going. They were, you know, getting Brother Bram's message uh, printed. And, uh, and they had a spot for me when I got out of the Army. We need you to typeset Spanish. We already got a translator over here. And he did this. And I'm going through there. And something doesn't sound right. I mean, I hadn't been in the message a long time. But, okay, this doesn't sound just exactly right. So I go to the tape. Well, sure enough, they left out a paragraph and left out a sentence over here. So I had to start over, basically. And that's where it started to, to get the message into Spanish. And um, that was a long time ago. I think in 1970, we, uh, we finished the church age book. And that was the trial because, see, there's no, there's no audio. So got to look at the page, you know, type, and then have somebody read it in English while I'm looking at the Spanish to be sure we got it all, you know. Anyway, got that done. But, see, when we, when we made the church age book in Spanish, um, we improved it. Oh, yeah. Because what Brother Branham was the text of the church age book. He said, yeah, that's what I want to say. And so you got it all done. Okay. 
and away it goes. Nobody took any you know, common sense to you know, put paragraph numbers and outline the scriptures and so forth, but in Spanish we did. We, we divided it up a little bit, put some numbers in there and highlighted the scriptures. Well, then some, uh, <clears throat> some people said years later, well, how come we got a better book in Spanish? Why don't we have an English book like that? So I went to Billy Paul and said, look, Billy, um, the people are asking why, we don't, you know, why, why don't we have an English book that looks like this? Oh, he says, too late. Everybody's already memorized the page numbers, and uh, we're not going to redo it. Fine, it's your book. Well, then years later, a brother in Canada asked me, he says, look, my grandchildren are not reading that blue book. It's one paragraph, the whole thing. And said, the Spanish book is a lot nicer. So why can't we have that? So I wrote to him. I said, look, boys, my brother's-in-law. I said, look, um, there's the English book and there's the Spanish. People want the English book to look like the Spanish. And so um, and I said, no, look, I wrote him a letter. I wasn't about to go up there and argue with him. So, (laughs) you know, Jesus told the woman at the well, God is looking for people that will worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, you can have a lot of spirit while the music's going. And you can have a lot of truth. But you've got to have balance. And that's why I carry this little guy here to remind you of balance. <laughs> it's got to be spirit and truth. So we had, in the church age book, we had a lot of truth. But you couldn't find anything. You know, so let's put some common sense. Okay, so it takes 10 more pages. So what? You know, let's have something we can read. Anyway, so I told them, look, guys, I can get this ready for you. I'll send it to you. You print it and sell it and it's out of my hands. Or I can do the whole thing, and I'll give you a dollar and a half for every copy we make or that we sell. And they eventually said, no, we're going to leave it all the way Daddy left it. Well, okay. So we prayed over for five minutes. And we printed the book. And that's, that's the one that you have now. Because you've got to make it readable. How are you going to know the truth if you can't even read it? Now, this has two purposes. One is to keep you know, your eyes on what's level. But if anybody even thinks about going to sleep, and if it gets real bad, I can pretty well throw it. You know. so, so that's the... The idea of bringing some common sense into the printing of the message, you see. Uh, They use cheap paper because we can do it cheaper. Cheaper isn't always best. Cheaper ends up being worse. Because if you put cheap tires on your car, it might be a $30,000 car, but if you put $100 tires that you got at some bargain place, uh, don't try to go to Arizona with those tires, you know. So you got to have proper stuff. And so great is the company that published the word. And I've been associated with this for over 50 years. And I've seen the ups and the downs. And we've got to do it with some class. Got to do it so that books last, you know. And that's why I'm glad to be associated with Brother Barry in this respect to get it done, get it sent. I told him years ago, I said, look, guys, our job should be getting from tape to screen or paper, you know, get it, get it ready to print. Let somebody else, somebody that has to stay competitive, somebody that's got to have the latest equipment, they can do the printing, they can even send it for you. But let's just get the concentration down to, to getting it right. But, you know, I was just one guy, and 
just a son-in-law, what I know. You know. But um, they had better ideas. So anyway, today we have books being printed uh, in China. They're being printed in Colombia, being printed in Mexico and different places. Locally, there's no postage involved. It's, it's right there, you know. There's hungry printers everywhere. So with the, with the church ages and now with the seal book, it's something people can read. They can go back three pages. They can underline. Uh, Mark Osborne was just telling me today, he's had his leather-bound church age book for, I don't know, two or three years. And he said, the other day I was reading it, and I almost had a heart attack. He said, I had to underline in that book. <laughs> he didn't want to mess it up. <laughs> but um, it's okay. It's good paper. It can take an underline. It can take, you know, highlight. Um, so we're glad that we can have something that the people can actually read and once you know the truth, that will make you free. Not because you know Brother Barry, not because you know me or whatever. You've got to know the truth, you see. And so we're, we're glad to be part of the great company that, you know, publishing the truth. And the people are enjoying it. Some can afford it. Some can send an offering. Some can't. So we just want to be faithful to the cause, faithful to what is right, not trying to look down on nobody, not trying to be you know, competitive. Just do it right. It's not rocket science. You know. Now, the Chinese don't know what they're printing. See, <laughs> They're so godless, it's unbelievable. But they're doing a job. Okay? They're whipping it out. Fine, it goes on the boat and it's gone. They get their money and they're happy. So uh, we're glad to be um, involved like that. And so I don't know if any of you have any questions of, about what's going on or what I've said, we'd be glad to try to solve those questions so that you don't go out here with a big question mark on your head. But um, uh, you wanted to show some pictures also? Yeah, a couple of big one? Okay, so this is in Venezuela. Now, this is a typical church. Um, of course, this one is not finished yet. But they're glad to have the books. You know, they, they've got their seal book. They've got their church age book. They've got the individual messages. And um, th- those books came to them at great cost. Now, they came from dollars, you know, paid China. Okay, China sends them to the coast of Colombia. That's over on the, um, let's go back here a minute. On the Pacific coast, there's a city called Cali, Colombia. And so there's a brother there. He voluntarily, you know, said, yeah, I'll help. So the books come to his house, and then he ships them out. Some of those people that they're going to, they can pay. Some places we've got to send them money. But these boxes go to Venezuela, which is another country. They go to Peru. They go to Ecuador. They go to Bolivia. And so we're getting ready to reprint because such a demand. And now in Bolivia, okay, these books had to go on a bus, then they had to go on a boat across the lake. Eventually, they got to, you know, where the people lived, 10,000 feet above sea level. But they were just glad to get them. You know, they paid for the, to get them there. Uh, here they are again. Now, these people are, they're believers, and they're just so happy to have something in their hand that they can read, that makes sense, you know. Um, Venezuela, again, yeah, this is, this is in Caracas. I know some of these people. And... Um, we, we send them books. We also send them clothes. We send them medicine. We send them coffee. Send them sugar. Because they're in a communist country where nothing is, they have some stuff, 
But prices are high. So we send them stuff to help them out. Um, Okay, Honduras, that's another story. Um, Yeah, these are the same people. Hmm. See here. It looks like the same street, doesn't it? So I think the guy in the middle is actually from Honduras. Um, That's another center. Because when the books come from China, they go into Mexico City, they go into Honduras, and into Colombia. And we're trying to get some connections to get them into Chile. But, um, yeah, and this is mountainous country. This is not easy to get to. There are still places in Honduras where the gospel has not reached. We have a missionary brother down there. He's got a church. He's got a family. But he takes, uh, I think, like two weeks of the the month and takes the supplies, takes a, a, a solar panel and a battery so they can hear the tapes while he's gone. And he'll go eight hours down the river in a, in a dugout boat. Not a nice boat. It's the dugout. There are two people and 30 feet long. Eight hours down the river. Then there's horses eight hours up the mountains and stays up there. And that's how the message is getting into the mountains of Honduras. So end of slideshow. But, yeah, there's, there's a, lot of, um, a lot of places where the gospel hasn't reached yet even in Latin America. In Mexico alone, there's over 500 churches, but there's still areas that haven't been reached, you see. So each person is doing their best, talk to their relatives, their neighbors, and they have something to give them. And that's why we printed the, the, the chapter 10 of the church age book by itself, the resume, because here for 50 cents, you can find out if, if they're even interested. Because you go to a new person, you give them a 400-page book, well, we might read it someday. Oh, but with a, with a simple booklet of 16 pages, they can figure out whether they want another one or not, you know. So that's kind of what we're doing. And um, aside from, you know, a lot of humanitarian work in, in uh, Venezuela, but the books are very important. They're, they're doing a job. And um, uh, we see where the, the company, you know, you're part of it. There's other people in other places that are part of this great company that published the word. Now, nobody wants to think, well, my $100 went for postage or my $100 went for insurance. It's all part of getting it there, you know. Uh, When you go to buy something at Walmart, okay, they had to come through a lot of hands to get there, and you pay, you know, $13.95 for it, but a lot of people were involved. So a lot of people are involved in the production of the message, and we want to be faithful to the part that God has called us to do. And we're going to keep doing it. And like I was telling the brother, you know, earlier, uh, I, I travel the interstate many, many miles a year, and I travel among some of the most important people in America, because these important people don't have to pay attention to the, you know, speed. They they think that means minimum. No, that that's where you belong at seventy, not eighty-five. Um, they don't have to turn signals. They, they don't have to obey the laws. You know, very important people. So we just do our job, go along trying to get run over, you know. But appreciate your prayers and know that we are working with you and we're in this together. We're, we're trying to not arrive at the finish line alone. We want to take some people with us, you know. And um, anything we can do to help you. Uh, so we have provided the, the text for the church ages and seals. And we may do some other stuff, but that's sufficient for now. And there's other translators doing other things. So, 
God bless you. Do you have any other questions? We could open the floor if anybody's got any questions at all about anything, right? Right. No secrets. No secrets. Anyone at all have a question they want to share? I do. I've never heard you talk about this, but I was just curious from a personal side. What happened in your house when Brother Brandon passed away? When, okay. When I heard like what Brother Neville told people and different ones, but if you don't mind, as much as you mind. want to share in the inner circle there, yeah. when Brother Bram died, no one, was, no one was counting on that. Nope. It must have been quite a shock. Big shock. To you and the family. We were, okay, I was in the Army, okay? Received the Holy Ghost at the end of September. Uh, on the 4th of October, I'm inducted into the U.S. Army, so I was a soldier with the Holy Ghost. At Christmas time, I had two weeks off, and the Branhams had finished the new house and got the carpet and everything, furniture, and so they were going to go to Jeffersonville to preach Christmas, and then when they come back, they were going to move into the new house after being in this apartment for three years. So they left Rebecca in town to move the stuff, you know. I thought that's a great idea. We were already engaged, you know. Now, see, she didn't have a real keen idea about marriage yet. Because of the fanatics. See, back then there was no folios to go see what he said. He had seven-inch tapes. They were cumbersome. And Brother Ram had preached. Um, you might want to sit down. It's going to take a few minutes. Uh, <laughs> Brother Brandon had preached marriage and divorce in February of 65. And here we are. Uh, we're engaged in May. And here we are at the end of, you know, towards the end of, of 65. And... She wasn't too cool about getting married just yet because she heard all these stories that people were telling. Their understanding was, well, if you burn the pie, you're out of here. You know, cut your hair, you're out of here. She just, it's a horrible situation that people had developed from just listening, but not listening to all of it, you know. Well, anyway, so um, during the first couple of weeks, Brother Bram preached in California, and then he was home for a few days. And during that time, it was time to buy furniture for the house. We're getting up to the death here in a minute. So he knew that his wife couldn't decide. She was doing good just to you know, get, keep things moving, but she couldn't uh, look out and buy furniture. So he says to Rebecca one day, he said, look, honey, get yourself together. We're going to go to Phoenix for two days. Okay? So they go to Phoenix, just the two of them. Now, she was the most like her dad than all the rest of them put together. She had a fine spirit. And I'm just being honest with you. So during this time that they had together, she got to ask him, now what about this? He said, honey, I, you know, the, the rooster and the hens and all the stories. I was talking about the animalistic life. You know, so he kind of solved her doubts about marriage. And so um, when Brother Bram traveled, he, uh, he had several rules. One was the Bible was the last thing in the suitcase, so nothing goes on top of the Bible. And if you've listened far enough, you'll find him where he says, nothing goes on top of your Bible, not even my books. Okay. The other thing was he liked to leave real early. Six o'clock, he's moving because he wants to get there. Now, you can all go to sleep, but we're going to go. Of course, he would get tired, you know, in the day. So he would stop in the shade and say, now, everybody be quiet for 10 minutes. So he'd take a power nap. Yeah. Wake up, ready to go another six hours. (laughs) Well, anyway... So, um, and then another thing when he traveled, 
is that uh, if he was just traveling by himself, which he did a lot of times, clear across country, 30 hours, or with Billy Paul, he would just wear his boots and blue jeans and whatever. But if he was traveling with the family, he would dress up a little bit. He'd wear his you know, better clothes. Maybe not a tie, but something nice. So <clears throat> I knew he was going to leave early on the uh, 18th of December. So on the 17th of December, you know, I was young, but I wasn't, you know, totally crazy. I wasn't going to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. So I got up on the night before of the 17th to say goodbye. And um, uh, it was just me and him in the room, you know. We're talking. And I noticed on the chair by the door is the boots and the blue jeans, and the, you know. And his rules were such. I said, well, what's this all about? He said, well, guy never knows when he might have car trouble. So he knew something was coming. He didn't know exactly what. But something was coming. I didn't say another word. He didn't say nothing. But within 24 hours, he'd been in a horrible head-on collision. Now, let me explain this briefly since it's only you know, 19 after 6. Um, the, um, the fact that it was two-lane roads back then where they were going across Texas. Across Texas and into New Mexico. Uh, and New Mexico into Texas, I'm sorry. And so there's a certain place where that it's kind of like I-70 or, you know, uh, 70 out here. If you're not watching, you know, it does make a turn. You, know, you might miss it. So anyway, they had had supper, and, um, and, and Joe wanted to ride in Billy Paul's car. Okay, so Billy Paul's two little boys had stayed in Tucson with, with one of the sisters, and so it's just him and his wife. And for the first time, Brother Bram said, okay, you can ride with him. Because another one of his rules, you ride in your own car. So he rides in, in Billy's car, and they're going along. Of course, it's getting dark, and so Billy knew the road, and he made the turn, fine. But he noticed his dad wasn't back there. He said, well, he'll catch up. So Brother Bram's come along. He missed the turn. So he goes over here and makes a U-turn, comes out and gets on the right road. Well, so while Billy's going along on this two-lane road, he sees a light coming, one light. At first, he thinks it's a motorcycle because it's right close to the line. But then as he got real close, it's the passenger side light of this car. Most of the car's in his lane. And so um, Billy, you know, swerves real fast to get out of the way. And, of course, then he got to swerve back to get back on the road. Well, it scared the, the other guy. So it's four drunk guys in this car. And it scared them, and they, they, you know, swerved off the road. But when they come back real fast, not being in their right mind, they smacked into the next car. Well, there was no CBs, no phones, no nothing. And so Billy sees this in the rearview mirror. But he didn't know who it is. So he turns around to you know, go back and lend some aid because there's no town there. It's out in the middle of nowhere. And he, um, when he gets his lights on, oh, it's Dad's car. So the, the whole impact was on the, the front on Brother Bram's side of the car. The right fender was okay. All the impact was right there. And so um, the other driver we died on the scene. The other three were in bad shape and beer cans everywhere. And um, so Billy gets out and man, he's about to lose his mind. Dad, you know. So he tries to get him, you know, to where he could respond. In the meanwhile, where's mother? Well, she, you know, no seatbelts where they had them, but they weren't using them. And she was up under the dash. The impact. She's up under there. And so Billy's wife uh, goes over there and she says, I can't feel a pulse. No, no pulse. So uh, Billy says uh, uh, to his dad, look, dad, look. Just, just speak the word. Well, try to get my hand over where she is. So 
And he's, he's all pressed in with the steering wheel and the windows out and everything. So they get the hand over there, and he said, um, Lord, help us in this hour of our need. And she started breathing. And so the medics got there, and they got the car cut apart and got him out. There's a big, long story about how they tried to get the pulse and turn him upside down. Well, anyway, that was on Saturday evening. We were in Tucson. We were out to supper at Brother Perry's house because he'd had this house and invited us out to supper. So we're out there. Well, he gets the phone call from Billy. Hey, we've got, we got a problem. Um, please come help. So he drops everything, takes off, found a charter flight or something. And uh, so we showed up the next day. And by then, they'd transferred him to the hospital in Amarillo, Texas. And like I say, no cell phones. All he had was a phone on the wall. Depending on how many quarters you have, how you can talk to people. So Perry was taking care of the phone, t- telling people, and people started coming in. And there was a lot of opinions. A lot of people, oh, it's going to be this. He's going to come out any minute. Y'all don't have any faith. And all this stuff's going on, you know. Well, it just so happened. Here we are with these people, and it's not a big place. And I saw this one family sitting over there, Mexican people. And I didn't know who they were, so I just went over and started talking to them. I remember talking to them. I don't know what we said, but it turns out they're the parents of one of those three guys. It's also in intensive care. Well, in the intensive care, there was 12 beds. I got in once to see him. You only see him for 10 minutes out of here. And so um, um, uh, during the six days that Brother Rand was there, he's all bandaged, got a trachea, can't talk, nothing. Uh, you, I don't know what all he was aware of. But um, during those six days, the other 11 beds... Um, they all got better. And uh, so it was um, Christmas Eve, the 24th, and the Lord said, that's enough. Took him. I was already on my way back to Tucson because I had to get back to the Army. I wasn't a blood relative. I couldn't stay. And a lady uh, from Continental Airlines intercepted me when I was in El Paso trying to change planes. And she informed me that he had passed, and I need to go back. Well, I need to go back because when I first got to Amarillo, they had taken his hairpiece and put it in my suitcase to get it out of sight. Well, it's still in my suitcase. Well, they needed that. And so I went back, and um, it was either the 25th or the 26th of December. They hired two private planes that you could put a, a uh, what do you call it, a litter in. You know, the, no, the bed. Because they had to carry Sister Brandon and had to carry Sarah. They were in very bad shape. So put them in there. And we got in one. Billy got in the other. And went back to Jeffersonville. And so the funeral was going to be on the 29th of December. But neither Billy nor his mother, she couldn't. She didn't even know what day it was. She was messed up from the wreck. And Billy wasn't going to make a big decision. So they couldn't decide where they're going to have the burial. And so the man said, fine, we'll have the funeral. And then uh, when you all decide, let me know. Because they didn't know if they should bury him in, T- in uh, Tucson, where the new home was, or in Jeffersonville, where the church was. So they left it alone. Well, I, was, I couldn't stay for the funeral. I had to get back to the Army. So I'm gone. Didn't know nothing about it all. But it was a very difficult time because um, nobody saw this coming. We, we had no concept. Now you go back and listen. Okay, there's a little hint here and a little hint there. 
That might be him, you know, dropping hints, but nevertheless, he didn't say it outright. And um, so we, uh, <clears throat> we didn't know what to do. Well, okay, he's gone. There's nobody to call. You've got to learn to pray for yourself. You've got to go back and see what he said. And there again, it's good that we had, you know, the tapes. We started printing them and so forth. All that started at that time. So when I got out of the Army in October of 67, printing was already going on, you know, got involved. But it was a very traumatic time because, um, you know, what I heard at the time, I'd been in several meetings, and I thought it was kind of like John the Baptist. Behold, the Lamb of God, you know, we're all going to... Well, that's not the way it was. He was introducing us all along in the messages, the Lamb of God. <laughs> but um, uh, it was a, a turn of turn of the path for sure. It was tough. That makes sense. Yep. Okay. Good. Anybody else? Now's your time. You can ask anything at all, Brother George. I know the Canadian must have a question. I know him since he was a little boy. Bless you, too. We're good. Okay. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you, Brother George. Okay. Thank you. Sure appreciate it. God bless you. Let's have our musicians just come on up this evening. <clears throat> we are a blessed people to live in a time where uh, as I've said many times, God allowed everything that that prophet said to be captured, to be recorded. And so it's not a question whether, well, he said this, no, he really said that. All of us can go back and listen to it and hear exactly what he said. And uh, I, I'm very thankful for that. I, I, You know, in traveling the world, and like Brother George was talking about different languages that people have, and uh, no matter how good your interpreters are, no matter how good your interpreters are, you're still subject to misinterpretation because very often you're translating concepts and principles and everything else. And when, um, I don't know who it was, but somebody went to Venezuela, some American, and of course he had some details about Brother Branham. So they asked him, what kind of music did Brother Branham like? Well, he liked bluegrass music, you know, gospel bluegrass. He liked that. No electric, just, you know, music. Well, they never heard of that. So the way it got translated was country music. And still to this day, I'm battling that. He didn't like country music. Country music is a cousin to rock and roll. But things like that. The it's got to be translated exactly. And that's why we have the King James Bible, which is the authorized. Brother Bram used this. God backed it up. It's good. But if you want something else, go for it. But we want something that makes sense, something that is real, that God will respond to. We want the, we want the preacher to preach the word, but we let the music go any way. No, no, no. It's got to be like the composer put it together. Right, Becky? Exactly right. So we appreciate having, uh, number one, having the message in our language. But we also appreciate the labors that go on, and I mean labor that goes on with all of the translators in the world that, that strive to get it right and, and uh, you know, make sure that they capture the thought, and then it goes into print, and then it goes into people's hands. 
hey, I, I'm just excited to play a part, and I appreciate the part you guys play and uh, the, the folks that work with us around the world. Uh, I think it's just a, a real blessing to be able to spread this message because to me it is worth spreading. It is worth publishing. And uh, I'm very thankful to have a part to play. And uh, so in closing tonight, uh, let's sing that little chorus, I bless your name, I bless your name, in uh, the key of F there, I think it is, or key of C, are you in C? I bless your name, I bless your name, if you
Sing it one more time. What will it be when we get over yonder and join the throng upon the glassy Heaven means to me. Jason. We're going to have Brother Jason close in a word of prayer tonight. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord, hasn't it? We appreciate all of you coming. Brother Sam, God bless you. Good to have you today. It's been a blessing to see you again. Brother Sam was in the youth retreat when he was 16 years old uh, up in Michigan, right? And now he's 42 years old. That makes Brother Paul LaFontaine pretty old. It does. Great to see you. Great to have all of you here. Great to have the uh, Visakis here. And just uh, all of you, may God bless you. We certainly appreciate it. And it's always good to get with God's people in God's house. God always has something good for us. Brother Jason, we're going to ask you to close in prayer. God bless you. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, it's just been a wonderful day we've had today in your presence. Lord, just coming to hear your word this morning and this evening, just hearing what you're doing, Lord, around the world with the printing of the word, Lord, and it's getting out, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, for these brothers, Father, that have dedicated their lives. We can't all do that, and we're so glad that we're able to do our part by supporting in prayer, maybe in finance, whatever it may be, Lord. But I just pray, Father, you continue to strengthen Brother George, Lord, our pastor, as they continue this work. Lord, just getting your word out. Lord, we're just waiting for that one more. Lord, then we can just get out of here. So I just pray, Lord, a blessing on these brothers, Lord. And Lord, as we would go our way and head home, we just ask for your hand of protection upon us. Lord, keep us safe on the roads and on the highways. Lord, that we'd come back again on Wednesday, Father, and just gather around your word. And just hear once again what you have for us. Lord, we want to tell you tonight we love you. Just thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace in our lives. In your name we pray, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, I can see that you are drawing a line in the sand, and I want to be standing by your side. Well, holding your hand, so let your kingdom come, and let it live in me. This is my prayer, this is my plea, let the worshipers arise. Sons of the daughters, I surrender, I surrender in my all. Oh, I surrender to the King. Yes. 
Father, I can hear it growing louder. The song of your redeemed as a saint of every nation. Our awakening to sing from our hearts it comes an anthem. Oh, hear the heavens ring. This is our song. A song to our King. Let the worshipers arise. Oh, let the sons and the daughters sing. Yes, Lord, I surrender in my heart. Oh, I surrender to Singing now as you go. Let the worshipers arise. Oh, let the sons and the daughters sing. I surrender him my all. Oh, I surrender to the King. Father, I can you are drawing a line in the sand and I'm gonna be standing by your side I'm holding your hands so let your kingdom come oh let it live in me this is my friend this is my plea well father I can see that you are drawing Line in the sand, and I wanna be standing by your side. We'll hold in your hands, so let your kingdom come. Let it live in me. This is my prayer. This is my plea. Let the worshipers arise. Let the sons and the daughters see. I surrender. 